section six of the soul of man by oscar wilde this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by martin geeson section six there are three kinds of despots there is the despot who tyrannizes over the body there is the despot who tyrannizes over the soul there is the despot who tyrannizes over the soul and body alike the first is called the prince the second is called the pope the third is called the people the prince may be cultivated many princes have been yet in the prince there is danger one thinks of dante at the bitter feast in verona of tasso in ferrara's madman's cell it is better for the artist not to live with princes the pope may be cultivated many popes have been the bad popes have been the bad popes loved beauty almost as passionately nay with as much passion as the good popes hated thought to the wickedness of the papacy humanity owes much the goodness of the papacy owes a terrible debt to humanity yet though the vatican has kept the rhetoric of its thunders and lost the rod of its lightning it is better for the artist not to live with popes it was a pope who said of cellini to a conclave of cardinals that common laws and common authority were not made for men such as he but it was a pope who thrust cellini into prison and kept him there till he sickened with rage and created unreal visions for himself and saw the gilded sun enter his room and grew so enamoured of it that he sought to escape and crept out from tower to tower and falling through dizzy air at dawn maimed himself and was by a vine-dresser covered with vine-leaves and carried in a cart to one who loving beautiful things had care of him there is danger in popes and as for the people what of them and their authority perhaps of them and their authority one has spoken enough their authority is a thing blind deaf hideous grotesque tragic amusing serious and obscene it is impossible for the artist to live with the people all despots bribe the people bribe and brutalize who told them to exercise authority they were made to live to listen and to love someone has done them a great wrong they have marred themselves by imitation of their inferiors they have taken the sceptre of the prince how should they use it they have taken the triple tiara of the pope how should they carry its burden they are as a clown whose heart is broken they are as a priest whose soul is not yet born 
let all who love beauty pity them though they themselves love not beauty yet let them pity themselves who taught them the trick of tyranny there are many other things that one might point out one might point out how the renaissance was great because it sought to solve no social problem and busied itself not about such things but suffered the individual to develop freely beautifully and naturally and so had great and individual artists and great and individual men one might point out how louis the fourteenth by creating the modern state destroyed the individualism of the artist and made things monstrous in their monotony of repetition and contemptible in their conformity to rule and destroyed throughout all france all those fine freedoms of expression that had made tradition new in beauty and new modes one with antique form but the past is of no importance the present is of no importance it is with the future that we have to deal for the past is what man should not have been the present is what man ought not to be the future is what artists are it will of course be said that such a scheme as is set forth here is quite unpractical and goes against human nature this is perfectly true it is unpractical and it goes against human nature this is why it is worth carrying out and that is why one proposes it for what is a practical scheme a practical scheme is either a scheme that is already in existence or a scheme that could be carried out under existing conditions but it is exactly the existing conditions that one objects to and any scheme that could accept these conditions is wrong and foolish the conditions will be done away with and human nature will change the only thing that one really knows about human nature is that it changes change is the one quality we can predicate of it the systems that fail are those that rely on the permanency of human nature and not on its growth and development the error of louis the fourteenth was that he thought human nature would always be the same the result of his error was the french revolution it was an admirable result all the results of the mistakes of governments are quite admirable it is to be noted also that individualism does not come to man with any sickly cant about duty which merely means doing what other people want because they want it or any hideous cant about self-sacrifice which is merely a survival of savage mutilation in fact it does not come to man with any claims upon him at all it comes naturally and inevitably out of man it is the point to which all development tends 
it is the differentiation to which all organisms grow it is the perfection that is inherent in every mode of life and towards which every mode of life quickens and so individualism exercises no compulsion over man on the contrary it says to man that he should suffer no compulsion to be exercised over him it does not try to force people to be good it knows that people are good when they are let alone man will develop individualism out of himself man is now so developing individualism to ask whether individualism is practical is like asking whether evolution is practical evolution is the law of life and there is no evolution except towards individualism where this tendency is not expressed it is a case of artificially arrested growth or of disease or of death individualism will also be unselfish and unaffected it has been pointed out that one of the results of the extraordinary tyranny of authority is that words are absolutely distorted from their proper and simple meaning and are used to express the obverse of their right signification what is true about art is true about life a man is called affected nowadays if he dresses as he likes to dress but in doing that he is acting in a perfectly natural manner affectation in such matters consists in dressing according to the views of one's neighbour whose views as they are the views of the majority will probably be extremely stupid or a man is called selfish if he lives in the manner that seems to him most suitable for the full realization of his own personality if in fact the primary aim of his life is self-development but this is the way in which everyone should live selfishness is not living as one wishes to live it is asking others to live as one wishes to live and unselfishness is letting other people's lives alone not interfering with them selfishness always aims at creating around it an absolute uniformity of type unselfishness recognizes infinite variety of type as a delightful thing accepts it acquiesces in it enjoys it it is not selfish to think for oneself. A man who does not think for himself does not think at all. It is grossly selfish to require of one's neighbour that he should think in the same way and hold the same opinions. Why should he? If he can think, he will probably think differently. If he cannot think, it is monstrous to require thought of any kind from him. A red rose is not selfish because it wants to be a red rose. It would be horribly selfish if it wanted all the other flowers in the garden to be both red and roses. 
under individualism people will be quite natural and absolutely unselfish and will know the meanings of the words and realize them in their free beautiful lives nor will men be egotistic as they are now for the egotist is he who makes claims upon others and the individualist will not desire to do that it will not give him pleasure when man has realized individualism he will also realize sympathy and exercise it freely and spontaneously up to the present man has hardly cultivated sympathy at all he has merely sympathy with pain and sympathy with pain is not the highest form of sympathy all sympathy is fine but sympathy with suffering is the least fine mode it is tainted with egotism it is apt to become morbid there is in it a certain element of terror for our own safety we become afraid that we ourselves might be as the leper or as the blind and that no man would have care of us it is curiously limiting too one should sympathize with the entirety of life not with life's sores and maladies merely but with life's joy and beauty and energy and health and freedom the wider sympathy is of course the more difficult it requires more unselfishness anybody can sympathize with the sufferings of a friend but it requires a very fine nature it requires in fact the nature of a true individualist to sympathize with a friend's success in the modern stress of competition and struggle for place such sympathy is naturally rare and is also very much stifled by the immoral ideal of uniformity of type and conformity to rule which is so prevalent everywhere and is perhaps most obnoxious in england sympathy with pain there will of course always be it is one of the first instincts of man the animals which are individual the higher animals that is to say share it with us but it must be remembered that while sympathy with joy intensifies the sum of joy in the world sympathy with pain does not really diminish the amount of pain it may make man better able to endure evil but the evil remains sympathy with consumption does not cure consumption that is what science does and when socialism has solved the problem of poverty and science solved the problem of disease the area of the sentimentalists will be lessened and the sympathy of man will be large healthy and spontaneous man will have joy in the contemplation of the joyous life of others for it is through joy that the individualism of the future will develop itself christ made no attempt to reconstruct society and consequently the individualism that he preached to man could be realized only through pain or in solitude 
the ideals that we owe to christ are the ideals of the man who abandons society entirely or of the man who resists society absolutely but man is naturally social even the thebaid became peopled at last and though the cenobite realises his personality it is often an impoverished personality that he so realises upon the other hand the terrible truth that pain is a mode through which man may realise himself exercises a wonderful fascination over the world shallow speakers and shallow thinkers in pulpits and on platforms often talk about the world's worship of pleasure and whine against it but it is rarely in the world's history that its ideal has been one of joy and beauty the worship of pain has far more often dominated the world medievalism with its saints and martyrs its love of self-torture its wild passion for wounding itself its gashing with knives and its whipping with rods medievalism is real christianity and the medieval christ is the real christ when the renaissance dawned upon the world and brought with it the new ideals of the beauty of life and the joy of living men could not understand christ even art shows us that the painters of the renaissance drew christ as a little boy playing with another little boy in a palace or a garden or lying back in his mother's arms smiling at her or at a flower or at a bright bird or as a noble stately figure moving nobly through the world or as a wonderful figure rising in a sort of ecstasy from death to life even when they drew him crucified they drew him as a beautiful god on whom evil men had inflicted suffering but he did not preoccupy them much what delighted them was to paint the men and women whom they admired and to show the loveliness of this lovely earth they painted many religious pictures in fact they painted far too many and the monotony of type and motive is wearisome and was bad for art it was the result of the authority of the public in art matters and is to be deplored but their soul was not in the subject raphael was a great artist when he painted his portrait of the pope when he painted his madonnas and infant christs he is not a great artist at all christ had no message for the renaissance which was wonderful because it brought an ideal at variance with his and to find the presentation of the real christ we must go to medieval art there he is one maimed and marred one who is not comely to look on because beauty is a joy one who is not in fair raiment because that may be a joy also he is a beggar who has a marvellous soul he is a leper whose soul is divine he needs neither property nor health 
he is a god realising his perfection through pain the evolution of man is slow the injustice of men is great it was necessary that pain should be put forward as a mode of self-realisation even now in some places in the world the message of christ is necessary no one who lived in modern russia could possibly realise his perfection except by pain a few russian artists have realised themselves in art in a fiction that is medieval in character because its dominant note is the realisation of men through suffering but for those who are not artists and to whom there is no mode of life but the actual life of fact pain is the only door to perfection a russian who lives happily under the present system of government in russia must either believe that man has no soul or that if he has it is not worth developing a nihilist who rejects all authority because he knows authority to be evil and welcomes all pain because through that he realises his personality is a real christian to him the christian ideal is a true thing and yet christ did not revolt against authority he accepted the imperial authority of the roman empire and paid tribute he endured the ecclesiastical authority of the jewish church and would not repel its violence by any violence of his own he had as i said before no scheme for the reconstruction of society but the modern world has schemes it proposes to do away with poverty and the suffering that it entails it desires to get rid of pain and the suffering that pain entails it trusts to socialism and to science as its methods what it aims at is an individualism expressing itself through joy this individualism will be larger fuller lovelier than any individualism has ever been pain is not the ultimate mode of perfection it is merely provisional and a protest it has reference to wrong unhealthy unjust surroundings when the wrong and the disease and the injustice are removed it will have no further place it will have done its work it was a great work but it is almost over its sphere lessens every day nor will man miss it for what man has sought for is indeed neither pain nor pleasure but simply life man has sought to live intensely fully perfectly when he can do so without exercising restraint on others or suffering it ever and his activities are all pleasurable to him he will be saner healthier more civilized more himself pleasure is nature's test her sign of approval when man is happy he is in harmony with himself and his environment 
the new individualism for whose service socialism whether it wills it or not is working will be perfect harmony it will be what the greeks sought for but could not except in thought realize completely because they had slaves and fed them it will be what the renaissance sought for but could not realize completely except in art because they had slaves and starved them it will be complete and through it each man will attain to his perfection the new individualism is the new hellenism end of section six recording by martin geeson in hazelmere surrey end of the soul of man by oscar wilde